Good morning. How are you all doing? Good, good, good. I see. I do see some new faces here today. That's good. Thank you for the wonderful music, Brother James. Well, yeah. You're the leader, though. Yeah. Well, I finally got around to gentleness. It took me an extra week, and I failed to give Miss Ann notes for the bulletin, so she left plenty of room for you all to take notes, which is good news. So get your little pens out. So let me pray for us. Father, we're grateful today that we're, we're able to gather freely and worship you and just be with me as I, as I speak up here today and let everybody's ears be open and eyes be open to see your goodness and to see your gentleness. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, verses 22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoke, provoking one another or envying one another. This message on gentleness has been difficult to, to formulate. I don't really know why. I, th I don't think it had a whole lot to do with gentleness. I think it just had to do with the fact that the Fruit of the Spirit study has gone on for eight weeks now. And as I've said before, all, all nine fruits sort of just mashed together. And, uh, but he got, I, feel like, I feel like the Lord gave me some great direction this week. So I hope you all are excited to hear about it. So the theme of this message, message is this. While Jesus was on earth, he was gentle. And we need to be gentle like Jesus. And I want to start with, uh, as I was thinking about this, I, I thought, well, what's the most extreme example of, G, of uh, gentleness that Jesus left us? And that led me to Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 34. Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 34. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So here we have Jesus. He's, he's marching to be crucified, and he knows that he's going to die. And um, he, he, he reached out to the Father, and he said, Father, forgive these people that are going to kill me. They don't know what they're doing. And I just think, think about the gentleness of that. Like he is God and he knows that he's being put to death by people that he created. And he's saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. So let's think for a minute. I felt weird even writing this stuff down, but, but I thought, let's just put ourselves in the mind of Jesus just for a moment. Let's put our sinful selves in the mind of Jesus. And for the sake of analyzing gentleness in our own lives, Let's pretend that we are Jesus. That, doesn't that just feel weird? Uh, okay, so we're marching to the cross to be crucified for the sake of paying the sin debt for all of humanity. And what would we say to the Father? What would our sinful minds and our sinful hearts say? This is, these are my words. No, these are not Jesus' words. So I myself would say something along the lines of, Father, I know I have to die because that is your plan for your kingdom, and I'm cool with that. But after I breathe my last breath, be sure to send some sort of wrathful flesh-eating insects or bolts of lightning to kill all these idiots that crucified me. Boy, are they dumb. How stupid could these people be? Your plan for humanity is so cool that you sent me to earth to be with your people, but please smite these fools for their stupidity. <laughs> 
So I'm guessing Barb's response would have been even worse than that. <laughs> so good thing we are not Jesus because his gentleness is, is our example. And uh, Jesus' gentleness looks far different than ours. Remember he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. That's an amazingly gentle statement. And the people that crucified Jesus weren't believers. They did not believe that he was God. And Jesus desired mercy for those people. So if it was so easy for Jesus to forgive and to ask forgiveness for the ignorant non-believers that crucified him, how, why is it that we find it so difficult to uh, understand the lostness of, of the people that we encounter all the time? Or, or, or how is it so hard for us to understand that all of this stuff that goes on around us is, is because of people's sinfulness and, and the people... We sin too, but I mean, the overall overwhelming amount of sin that we see, we're so quick to judge lost people. So what do I mean by this? Just hearing words like transgender or abortion or overdose causes our blood pressure to just rise. It just creates this buzz in us like, why? How can this little boy believe he's a girl? Or uh, how could she kill that baby? Or why did he pump that drug into his arm? Our stance on this should be, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Okay? Just as Jesus, Jesus goes to the cross to die and is killed, and He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. So let's not let, let's not let other people's sinfulness create sin in our own life through anger and uh, obsession. We obsess over other people's sin for, for whatever reason when really we just need to cling to Jesus and try to do our best to act like He does. So how would Jesus treat a transgender person or a woman uh, getting an abortion or a drug addict? He would treat them with love and gentleness the same way He treats you and I. We are no better than the drug addict or the transgender. The only difference is some of us have come to know the Lord. It is He who is different. And apart from Him, we would be lost. So does anybody remember the Greek word for goodness? Tucker? You are right. Golly, that's good. Agathosune. So we've got an easier one today. For gentleness, it's preus. Can you say that one, Sarah? Preus. It's spelled P-R-A-U-S. Preus. Preus is defined as mildness of disposition, gentleness of spirit, meekness. And another definition is not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. So as we continue to learn about gentleness, let's keep this definition in mind. The next verse after our uh, fruit of the Spirit verse, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, is Galatians 6.1. And it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And I discovered a new version of the Bible this week called the Hillbilly Translation, or it's THT. It's either, you can either call it the Hillbilly Translation or Tink Hayden Translation. And I've got a couple, uh, I've got a couple lines from that version here in this message today. So Paul's audience in this letter to the, is the church of Galatia. And in this chapter 6 verse, he is saying this to the people. And the hillbilly translation says, 
Save people, if anyone is caught in sin, you who know better should come alongside the sinner with love and gentleness. And keep in mind, you are bound to sin at some point also. So treat the sinner as you would like to be treated when you get caught. So let's read a few more examples of, of the gentleness of Jesus. In John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, and they might have some charge to bring against him. This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote in the finger, wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to th throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. And from now on, go, and from now on, sin no more. That is a, that's a very gentle verse. And if you think about who are the people that brought the woman to Jesus, and, and those are the Pharisees, and and the Pharisees were against Jesus. They didn't believe, they didn't like him, they didn't believe what he the, the message he was delivering. You know, they 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 in their minds they knew everything and they were very self-righteous. And they were not necessarily concerned with the actions of the woman, in my opinion. They were they were concerned with testing Jesus and putting him on the spot and seeing how he would react to, to certain things. In verse six even says, This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. So what does Jesus do in this situation? Does he scream in outrage? No. Initially, he just bends over and starts doodling in the dirt. The, 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 the most profound thing of this whole passage was, what in the heck is Jesus writing in the dirt? Now does he, it says twice, uh, he wrote with his finger on the ground, and, then he, at one, and once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. And I thought, what the heck is he writing? And I'll get to that in a minute. But let's see. So they continued to harass uh, Jesus with the sinful woman uh, present, and he gently stands up and says, this is the, this is the hillbilly translation again, y'all are sinful too, go ahead and throw some stones at her if you think you're any better. Then he bends back over and starts drawing in the dirt again. So not only was he gentle with the woman that was caught in adultery, he was gentle with the Pharisees and the scribes because he knew that they were just messing with him. So he just... I just just picture when you're reading scripture, just picture the scene like Jesus, you know, they bring this woman, these these holier than thou folks bring this adulterous woman before Jesus. And they're like, look what she's done. Look what she's done. And, and he just says. He just starts drawing in the dirt, you know, he, does, he I, I see it as just like a boys, calm down. Y'all are sinful. Look at you, you know, but he, of, of course, he in his gentleness, he doesn't say hateful things like like I would. But I just think it's neat to picture like the actual scene. What was he doing? So my biggest question from the from the passage, 
for whatever reason was what what the heck is Jesus writing in the dirt? So I did a little research on this, and of course there's no clear answer, and it's, and and both of these answers are speculation, but. Maybe Jesus was trying to show the Pharisees that he was a little bit annoyed with their lack of faith and that he was teaching in what he was teaching and that he was just being a bit passive with the Pharisees. The Pharisees knew they weren't being sincere about caring for the woman and Jesus knew too. They're just trying to harm his teaching, forcing him to, to make a choice between gentleness and justice. So he gently bends over and doodles on the ground to show them that he didn't have time for their nonsense. And another explanation was this. If the woman was caught in adultery, there was a, a pretty good chance that when the Pharisees brought her forward, she was not clothed. And Jesus was using the writing in the dirt to divert his eyes from the woman, which if that's the case, he had great self-control. And that's what we're going to learn about next week. Now, both of these explanations are speculation, but just the, the fact that it says twice that he wrote in the dirt, but it doesn't express what he wrote. It just it just led me to think, well, what? What was he doing? This must have been important. So I want to try to read more into it. But of course, all I found was speculation. But I like both of those. I, I like both of those uh, responses. Scripture doesn't always give us all the information. But the point of the passage is that Jesus dealt with the sinful Pharisees and the sinful woman with gentleness, the same gentleness that he shows you and I. So as Jesus told us the sermon, or told told the hearers the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew uh, chapter five verse five, he says, "Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth." Remember the Greek word for gentle and meek is what Sarah. Praeus, right? Praeus. Anybody else got that? Praeus. Tucker. Praeus. <laughs> Tucker's sleeping. So meek and gentle mean the same thing, not being overly impressed with a sense of one's self-importance. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. And Psalm 37, chapter 11 says, But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. So if you desire peace, put on gentleness. Treat, treat sinful people with gentleness. Treat lost people with gentleness. Treat saved people with gentleness. And, and, and just think about you know, I mentioned a couple sins earlier that just create this stir of emotions in us. Just think if we can rid ourselves of those emotions. Anger and frustration and all of these things don't, they're not, a, I didn't see them on the list for the fruit of the Spirit. I didn't see anger or uh, malice. I don't see those on there. Just gentleness. If, if we can walk in a posture of gentleness, just think how much more peace we'll have. Gentle people don't assert themselves over others to further their own agendas in their own strength. Gentleness is not something that is well thought of in our current culture, I wouldn't say. Everyone's trying to get ahead or climb the ladder or get a promotion or get the next job or outdo the next guy. And, um, you know, all for, all for self, all for self, mostly. I mean, we have, to, we have to work and we have to do these things. But as we, as we go on to succeed in life, we can do it with a bit more humility and gentleness. So as we climb the ladder, in, in most cases we're climbing the ladder to get ahead to, to kind of fuel the American dream. I think I, I said, I mentioned the American dream a couple weeks ago. And, you know, we're chasing this, we're chasing all these worldly things. And it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world along the way. And it's kill or be killed or... or Get ahead or get left behind. So Christian, I would say this to you. 
just leave that American dream behind. Just let it go. Just We need to start living today for the kingdom of God. And we need to quit thri- or quit striving for things that don't matter. And we, you know, you if you just turn on the news or or listen to the radio, you hear about all that. Everybody's got all this anxiety. Everybody's all worried about everything. And why is that? Well, it's because we strive for things that don't matter, and we're trying to fill up our bank accounts, and we're trying to. And and the, those things aren't necessarily wrong, but if they are ruling and running your whole life, then they are wrong, and they will create anxiety. You know, if you don't have X amount of dollars in the bank account, you you start getting that anxious feeling. So we wonder why we don't often have any peace, or or we don't feel God's gentle embrace. It's because oftentimes we're not seeking to know Him, and we're chasing after worldly idols. In Matthew chapter six, verses twenty-five through thirty-four. Jesus speaks about this anxiety, which is a lack of peace. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. What will you eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you so anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So, so he's saying, just seek first the kingdom of God and, and, and my righteousness, and all of these things that you, worried about, that you worry about all the time will be added to you. So let's revisit the hillbilly version. Here's, these are my words. Stop living for the things in this world seek to find things in life that are pleasing to the lord and he will surround you with peace that is beyond all understanding when our aim becomes to treat people with gentleness and patience and love for the sake of coming to christ suddenly our anger towards the sinner goes away and we will have peace if we can treat the sinner with love and compassion and gentleness as jesus would and did we won't allow their sin to create sin in our own life if we follow god he will provide for us on this earth and into eternity. I did, we, there's, not a, there's not a hillbilly translation published yet, but I'm going to start working on that. So just stop living for things of this world and start living for the kingdom of God. If, you're, you, if your job isn't pleasing to the Lord, like James, retire. I'm just kidding. If your job isn't pleasing to the Lord, find a different job. If your girlfriend is not pleasing to the Lord, find a new girlfriend. There's still time to ditch her. If your husband is not pleasing to the Lord, it's too late. You cannot leave him. You are committed. If your house is not pleasing to the Lord, sell it. Jesus is not interested in your 3,000 square foot house. He's not interested in your 401k. He does not care what clothes you wear or what car you drive. He cares about you knowing Him above all else. He wants you to see Him for who He is. He is loving. He is joyful. He is peaceful. He is patient. He is kind. He is good. He is faithful. He is gentle. And He is self-controlled. And He desires for us to be the same way.
And once we grasp who He is, we can begin to grasp how He wants us to be. Remember the Fruit of the Spirit song that everybody's saying? The Fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut? Well, the Fruit of the Spirit is also not personal wealth, comfort, or pleasure, or anger, or division, or malice, or fear, or anxiety. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the ones, this is, this is hillbilly version again. Blessed are the ones who seek not to take themselves so seriously like they are perfect and have everything figured out. Blessed are the ones who don't attempt to create heaven on earth for themselves. Blessed are the ones who love Jesus and keep His commandments. Blessed are the ones who do everything that they can to understand Jesus' will for their lives through prayer and the reading of Scripture and the gathering of the saints. Blessed are the ones that can treat people with gentleness and kindness and love and compassion and patience. Blessed are the ones who get smacked in the mouth when they are attempting to love gently and patiently, but can turn the other cheek and continue loving, and gen loving gently and patiently. Blessed are the ones who are still joyful about the kingdom of God when their lives on earth are in total shambles. Blessed are the ones who don't put all their faith in worldly nonsense. And blessed are the ones who aim to know that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus has given us all the information that we need in Scripture to follow Him. All we have to do is open the book and read it and show up here and listen and then start doing it. We, we just can't sit and do nothing. We read, we hear, we understand, and then we go. Let me pray for us. Father, I'm grateful that, that you've, made, you've made Scripture to be a guide for our lives, and, I, and I'm glad you've given us laughter also and humor that we can come in here and worship you and laugh. And um, it, it just gives us a way to understand that we are sinful too. Uh, as we talk about some hard things and how sin and other people's lives create sin in our own lives, I just pray that, that we can be gentle with others and that we can be gentle with ourselves as, we, as, as walking on this earth is difficult. And uh, I know for sure that I'm hard on myself, and I'm certain that there's other people in this room that are also hard on themselves. And just allow us to be gentle with each other and to be gentle with, with our own selves. And, and I'm just grateful that you've given us the great example of gentleness. Uh, you want us to be gentle. If, if you were put to death on a cross and you asked God to forgive the people that killed you, I mean, I don't know how much more gentle that could be. So I pray that if there's anybody in this room that that wants to commit to you today that they come forward and and know and understand what that means and know and understand that that commitment is far greater than a bank account or a 401k or a 3,000 square foot house or fancy clothes and cars and all that stuff. A relationship with you is far more joyful than any of that other stuff. So I just pray that somebody would, would commit today to you forever and ever. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.